This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Can you do that? Okay. Parsha Demor, 5780. The Pusik that we're dealing with this week's Parsha is going to be an awesome one. It's Chav Dalid, Parach Chav Dalid Pusik Beis. It says, Tzadis B'nei Yisrael v'yichuei lecha Shem Ezaizach, Kasi Yislamor l'halos ner tamid. Command B'nei Yisrael, you should take for yourself, Shem Ezaizach, which is pure olive oil, Kasi Yislamor, it's crushed for lighting, l'halos ner tamid, to be able to make the neros be lit tamid, for it to be constantly lit, for them to be constantly lit. Now, the obvious problem with this is that this Pusik appears earlier in the Torah, almost in the exact same way. It appears in Parshas Tetzaveh. And in Tetzaveh, it says the words. It says, Ve'atot Tetzaveh es b'nei Yisrael. Instead of Tetzaveh es b'nei Yisrael, Ve'atot Tetzaveh es b'nei Yisrael. V'yichoi lach Hashem ezaizach kasis l'amor l'alos ner tamid. The end of the Pasuk is all the same. Just the difference is here it says the word Tzav. Over there it says Ve'atot Tetzaveh. Now, why is this repeated? Why is the entire Pasuk repeated seemingly without missing anything over here? So Rashi says this is where it belongs. Up above, when they were giving the mitzvahs of making stuff for the Mishkan, then it tells you this is the function of what the menorah did. It was lahalos near Tumit, and it told you that you have to get oil, etc. But it wasn't the command. It's Beata Titzavet. You will command B'nai Yisrael later, saying, and here, here in Parshas Emor, that's where it says Tzavis B'nai Yisrael. Here's the command that Moshe Ben was told earlier that he was going to say, this is where he actually said it. That's the first shot. That's Rashi's shot, and that makes a lot of sense. But the Ramban says, no, to me, that doesn't work whatsoever. Because that Sivoy was not put next to the menorah. The Ata Titzave is the beginning of the clothing of the Kohen Gadol after we talk about the Kalim of the base of Mikdash. That would make sense if you put it by the menorah in Parsha's Truma. But you're putting it in Titzaveh, separate from the menorah, so you can't say that it's an addition to the menorah over there and you're going to command in the future and here's where it's supposed to be. It sounds like that also is a command. So says the Ramban, another simple, simple pshat. You know why it's mentioned over there? Because they had to bring oil in the beginning to be able to have oil for the menorah. Well, they used that oil. It was used up by now. So now, in Parshas, Parshas Emor, by this point of the Midbor, I guess in the second year of the Midbor, by this point, then they already had to do something different. Now they had to bring more oil. So the Ramban says, that was a tzivoy for the first year of the Midbor. This is a tzivoy during the second year of the Midbor. And both of them have the same tzivoyim. They just had to be told twice because the oil was already used up. That's an obvious idea, says the Ramban. The Mizrahi answers Rashi, says his questions. The Ramban's question, not really questions. It's possible that those first psukim and tetzava are finishing up what happened by the Maisa Mishkan. There's a Nachlas Yaakov over here that answers this whole nice Machlokas Rashi Ramban and also goes to the Mizrahi. But fine, that's a Mizrahi. The Paris Yosef says, of course, that the word Tzav is a little bit different from tetzava. Tzav, that's always used, is to teach us something, a lesson, Lidoros, which means for all future generations. Tzav is miyad, for that time, uledoros, and for future generations. Therefore, you would think you wouldn't need to repeat it over here. But there's another aspect to Tzav. Not only is Tzav a command for right now and future generations, it's a command of something that's called a chesron kiss. When there's a loss of money, then you have to mention the word Tzav. Here's the problem. In Parshas Tetzaveh, where this command first appears, the oil was brought to the, uh, the Nisim by the clouds up above. The clouds gave them the Avni Miluim. 
The clouds gave them the Avnei Shoham. The clouds gave them the Shemen Lemaor and the Ketoris Lebesamim and the Shemen Lemaor Mishka. It was brought to them by the Nisim, which means they never lost any money from it. They got it and gave it immediately to the Mishka and there was no Chesron Kiss. So the word Sav doesn't apply. Now it applies, says the Paris Yosef. Now it would apply because now they're losing money by giving off their own oil to the Mishkan instead of taking from what the clouds had given them. Therefore, there it was Titzaveh. Here it's Tzav. There there was no Chesron Kiss. Here there's a Chesron Kiss. So similar to the Ramban, right, but adding a little bit of a twist to that Ramban. The Ramban and the Chizkuni say another Chiddush over here, based on Pasuk Dalit. It's not in this Pasuk, in Pasuk Dalit, that the Menorah HaTorah has to be used to be lit. Meaning, you cannot light candles on the Azara floor, on the floor of the base of Mikdash, or on a random piece of wood if there was no other menorah available. You need a menorah. The Svorno says this as well on the tour. So it's the Svorno, the tour, the Chizkuni, and the Ramban. They all say you need a menorah. And that's a Chiddush here. So we normally only repeat a Parsha if there's a Chiddush involved. This is the Chiddush. The Chiddush is that you need a menorah. It must be lit. That's the idea behind it. The Rashbam says that this Pasuk is not here for itself. This whole Parsha is really about the Shulchan. The Shulchan, which is written after the menorah, that teaches you all the lessons over here. You need the Shulchan for the Lechem Apanim. You need the Shulchan for the Levona. You need the Shulchan for the Menorah. Because the Menorah has to be no Chach Shulchan. The Menorah has to be lit opposite the Shulchan. You have to have both the Menorah with the Shulchan. So therefore the Menorah was really mentioned over there in Parshas Tetzaveh. That's really where the old sea boy of the Menorah is. But it's repeated over here because of the Shulchan. Because it's a necessary component for what the Shulchan had. That's how the Rashbam says it. The Chizkuni says that as well. But the Chizkuni adds even more to it. He says it would have made more sense then to put the Shulchan first, but you couldn't put the Shulchan first, because the Shulchan has to be put next to the Lechem Apanim, right, which is right next to the Mekalel, so therefore we have to have the Menorah first. Now we're going to have to get to why the Menorah had to be by the Moadim, but at least that's the beginning over there. There's a Gurarie that also says an answer. This is our fifth answer altogether. In Titzavah, Moshe Rabbeinu was coming in on how to make the oil for the needs of the Menorah. This Parsha is to tell us how to light the Menorah properly. Over there is about what to give them, the oil that they had to give, and over here is about how to light it, how to do the menorah, that's the idea, says the Gurari. The Be'er Basada says Parshas Tetzaveh could not have been a command to light the menorah because it's way before the menorah was put up. That command was given on the day after Yom Kippur. That's the day after Yom Kippur. They didn't build the Mishkan and make the menorah until Rosh Chodesh Nisan. Months and months and months later, six months later, maybe seven months if it was in Oberior, but six or seven months later, that means, says the Be'er Basada, it couldn't have been a command back then. It must have been that it was a, it was in a, something in advance, sort of like what Rashi's saying, in which those parshas were shaykh to what's going to happen over here. So Tetzava was only for Emmer. That's how the Bear Basada puts it. There's more. The Shari Arun explains the Ibn Ezra later on by the Shulchan. It says it could be, we mentioned the Neros and the Lechem upon him here, because they're Chiyuvah man Klau Yisrael, just like Korbanos. So we just mentioned the Moadim, and all the Moadim, all the holidays, and what you brought as Korbanos then. So we're also adding on over here, by the way, not only those Korbanos, but also this, the Menorah had the Neros, that's also a Korban. The Shulchan had the Lechem upon him, that's also a Korban. Says the Shari Arun, that's the shot they're, what they're doing over here. As Nihil Torah says an awesome answer. Titzave is a really weird Parsha, and we know that. Titzave is the only Parsha that doesn't mention Moshe Rabbeinu's name after Parsha Shmos. That's not where Moshe Rabbeinu is talking. Meaning, in Vaschanan, Ekev, and Re'e, Moshe Rabbeinu's name isn't mentioned, but that's because he's talking the whole time. It's all his speech. So that makes sense. In Titzave, his name's not mentioned, and it was easy to mention it. Ba'ata Titzave's Bnei Yisrael. It should have said, Ba'idabar Shama Moshe Lehm, or Titzave's Bnei Yisrael. But it says, Ba'ata Titzave. It's weird. 
But why? Says those nine Latorah. And we all know this. This is the famous word that everybody says. Because Moshe Rabbeinu and Parshish Kisisa said the words, Erase me from the Sefer that you wrote me into. He said, I want to be erased. I don't want to be there. I don't want to be part of the Sefer that you wrote. Erase me, please, from your Sefer that you had written. So even though, obviously, the Egel Azov you know, was brought down and they did tshuva. So Moshe Rabbeinu did not have to be destroyed. He didn't have to be taken out. Mechenim Misifra did not have to apply. Nonetheless, Moshe Rabbeinu had to disappear. It had to be erased a little bit from the Parsha. It had to somehow be fulfilled. So it was in Parsha's Titzava. Parsha's Titzava, Moshe Rabbeinu's name is not mentioned. And not only that, every single part of Parsha's Titzava is repeated somewhere else in the Torah. Meaning, because Moshe Rabbeinu is not there, it's as if, we lost out on something in Parshat So all of the Parshat are repeated later. Meaning, the whole idea of what they made for the Big Day Kuna Gedola is repeated in Pikude. The whole idea of the, what they had to do on the Yom Shmini is repeated in Tzav and Shmini. Everything in Tzav is repeated later on. And in fact, the beginning with the menorah was repeated over here in Parsha Zemor. There is nothing in Parsha Tzav that remains because Moshe Rabbeinu is not there, so to speak. So it was repeated later on. It had to be said later on. And that's the shot why we put it over here. As to why it's by the Moadim, why is it over there? Says the Aznaim Latora. He says, the reason why is we say in Chagiga that after the Regalim, they would go through the Azara and they would tovel everything. Because there were Amiratsim there, and the Amiratsim would touch everything. And some of them weren't careful, as careful as they should be about Tuma. And I know, if you're Tame Mace, and you go into the base of Mikdash, well, obviously, you're Chai of Misa, you can't do that. But if you're Tame Sheretz, if you're Tame Ziva, if you're Tame Keri, to any type of that Tuma, you might not realize. And you might go on, and you might touch something, and you might make a Tame. So instead, what they had to do is they had to switch it around. They had to make it something different. They had to move it around just a little bit and be tovel everything. Says Aslan Latora, it makes sense that they couldn't do that by the Shulchan and the Menorah. So we talk about the Moadim when they had to tovel everything in the Azara. We bring up the Shulchan and the Menorah. We say they have to be Tamid. There's a Ner Tamid by the Menorah. There's the Lechem upon him, which is Tamid by the Shulchan. You couldn't take that down and be tovel it. Therefore, you had to leave it in place. And that's the reason why we put them both next to each other. We call it HaSholchan HaTor, HaMenorah Torah in this Parsha for that reason. There's a Nitziv. The Nitziv is beautiful. But the truth is, this Nitziv goes throughout the whole Torah. The Nitziv's Shita is that Moshe Rabbeinu stood for the concept of Torah Shebech But not just Torah Shebech He was the power of Pilpul. He goes on in how Aaron, what Aaron stands for as well, Aaron is Torah Shabbat Peh, but he understands that Moshe Rabbeinu was given this command here, V'yichu Eilecha, Shemen Zayzach, Eilecha, not Aleichem, which would be plural for B'nai Yisrael, it's Eilecha for you, as if Moshe Rabbeinu would get it. And here's the Pshad, he says, the menorah stands for Chochmah, HaRotze Lahachim, if you want to become wise, Yadrim. Turn a little bit to the south. When you daven toward the east, when you daven toward the east, toward the Aron Kodesh or where Yerushalayim is supposed to be, say Chazal, it's in Simen Tzadi Dalit in the Shulchan Aruch, I believe in Sif Aleph. Says the Shulchan Aruch, you turn a little bit to the south, a little bit to the south, and when you turn a little bit to the south, you turn just a little bit that way, Harot HaKim, it helps you get more Chachma, your Zohar more Chachma. Why? Why that? Well, the answer is because that's where the menorah was. The menorah was on the south side of the Mishkan. When he walked into the Mishkan facing west, the menorah was on the left-hand side. That's the south side of the Mishkan. The Shulchan was on the left-hand side. That's on the east side 
right? Uh, the north side, I'm sorry, the north side right there. And he walked in from the east looking toward the west, right? Looking toward that west itself. That means how Yajum, you should turn to the south itself. One who wanted to get Pilpul Atayra, who wanted to learn properly, would turn toward the south. The menorah Mamish stood for what Moshe Rabbeinu represented. Moshe Rabbeinu was the menorah. So when he went into the base at Kodesh HaKadoshim, he went walk toward the Kodesh and the Kodesh HaKadoshim. And he went over toward the menorah itself. You lit the menorah that stands for the Torah of Klai Yisrael growing. The Torah of Klai Yisrael giving that Shefa down from HaKadosh Baruch Hu that allows for people to be able to learn Torah and not just happen to be Mephalful B'Torah. To be able to learn Chidushim and come up with Chidushim to give them insights that they wouldn't have had otherwise. That's why you need the menorah. That's the Koach of the menorah. For that reason, says the Nitziv, that's why V'yichu'e Lecha Shemen Zayisach. That's why you should take for yourself. It refers to Moshe Rabbeinu himself. That's what it actually refers to. And that's the connection that he says, I'm able to give it over to all of Klai Yisrael. It's able to go through Moshe Rabbeinu, out through all of Klai Yisrael. But it's Moshe Rabbeinu's gift, his gift of Pilpul that he then gave to the rest of Klai Yisrael. Rav Schwab also says, refers to learning Torah. Someone wants to become wise, as we said, he turns toward the south. And that's that. That's where the Shekhinah is supposed to be, etc. Maybe that's why. Although there were many miracles that happened daily in the Beis HaMikdash. Many miracles happen every single day. But the Ner Maravi constantly being lit was the sign that the HaKadosh Baruch Hu was with us. The Gemara in Menachos Pei Vav says, Eidus Yisrael. The Ner Maravi, which never went out, the non-extinguishable light on the Hanukkah Menorah, on the Hanukkah Menorah, on the Menorah that was out there, right? The Menorah that was given was a constant reminder to everyone, this is Eidus HaKadosh Baruch Hu is with us. And that's because, says Rav Shab, because that helps us with our learning. It's not about the Menorah per se, it's about that allows the nation to see it. That requires, it says the, 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 the way, I would suggest that the way it is, it's put right by the holidays for that reason. We don't always learn as much as we do during the holidays, as much as we can during the holidays. And therefore, it's put there so that we can increase in our learning. We remind ourselves of our learning right after the Moadim are over and we do something a little bit better. But that's how Rav Schwab understands it. It's all based on Torah. The Panim Yafos says that this is the Hafla. Tzav, as we said, means zeros for now in all generations. Miyadu Ladoros. That's needed here, because the lechem upon him may have brought pernasa for all of Klal Yisrael. The Ketoris may have made them wealthy, says the Panam Yafos, but the menorah made them wise. The menorah gave them chokhmah, it allowed them to understand Torah better. That requires Rizos. Sometimes it requires chesron kiss, but that's the only way to do it properly, and that's why it's repeated here throughout the whole Torah. There's Mashiach on this Pasuk as well. In Kol Ram, Ramosha Feinstein says it refers to Rabbeim. Kossis, they did. They crushed it. They crushed the oil. The learning of Torah should be done in such a way from proper abundance so it shouldn't be led to any mistakes. There are two ways to crush olives. There's a way of rolling them over and mamish, like putting them down and crushing them so much that they're completely gone. And then there's pounding. Crushing them allows for the garbage of the oil to get into the olive oil. So the olive oil has some garbage within it. Pounding them only gets out the first part, and that's that. You're not crushing them all the way through. You're just pounding and allowing it to go there. It's a better oil, a cleaner oil, a clearer oil. Says Ramosha Feinstein, the nair that was used for the menorah represents how a Rebbe is going to teach all the people in Klai Yisrael. And therefore, it's done kasis. It's done in a way in which it's crushed, in which it's done different from everything else. Not completely and totally gone, but 
pressed, we'll call it. Pressed is probably a better word because that's the light that they're able to come out with. And obviously, it's not a physical light. It's referring to spirituality in such a way, ruchnius, that allows us to learn. It says the idea behind the kol rum, that's what it means to have a real Rebbe. Now, there is a Dorash David. David Oppenheimer, I believe his name is. I forgot. But Dorash David says that the lesson behind the menorah is very similar to this idea. He asked all the questions. Edus, this is the Edus, the Ner Marafi. There's so many other things. There are no flies. There's no rot. There's so many the, the, the quantum never got carried. There were so many things that happened that they make. There's, this is the miracle that shows an edus that the Shekhinah is with B'nai Yisrael. Right? Plus, who saw the menorah lit? Who was allowed in the Kodesh? Who went into the Kodesh to see the menorah being lit? No one. The Kwanim. How is this an edus l'chol boi olam? For the non-Jews to see, the non-Jews aren't allowed into the base of Mikdash, let alone the Kodesh. They never saw the menorah. Even when they brought out the menorah so that people could see it, so they knew what it was during the times of Chagim, etc. There's no way the non-Jews saw it. The non-Jews never could see it. So what does it mean l'chol boi olam? And he says, it's clear as day. This is not a physical light. The physical light that we refer to in the menorah is purely a representation of the spiritual light, this this pintily yid that every Jew has that comes out from within. Says the Dorsh David, it's something that, again, a spiritual force, similar to what the Nitziv said earlier, something ruchni that's not limited to space and time. Just like fire can be brought to another fire. You can light something up and it doesn't diminish the previous fire. fire. The fire remains as it is and benefiting from a light does not hurt the light at all. So too ruchnius can spread without diminishing itself one iota. You can teach and never lose. You can give over Torah to other people and not lose it yourself. You're giving it as if that. Those other nations can feel that from Klau Yisrael. There's that Kedusha that Klau Yisrael has that's given over to the rest of the world as if they feel it in that way. And that's the Ner Maravi. The Ner Maravi hints to that being lit all day long even though it was physically impossible. That couldn't happen since it only remained lit when B'nai Yisrael were on the level to deserve such a miracle. When Shim Shimon HaTzadik was alive. Shimon HaTzadik, the great Kohen Gadol, it remained lit all day and all night. And when he died, it was on and off, depending on the people. That's the same idea, says the Doresh David. That's the menorah and the Moadim. The holidays are times when his Shefa spreads down, when we deserve it, when we do the right things during that time. That's when it goes through. The menorah's light spread to them with wherever they went, whenever they went. That was the power. And so too, we can say that over here, that's the idea of what the menorah represented. The way that the Doresh David understands it is that way. But now we get to this, this whole thing. What is the menorah versus the Moadim? What's the connection between those two? How can you connect the menorah to the Moadim? The Panech Raza, the great Rishon, says, this Pasuk is put next to the Moadim because the mitzvah mina muvchar, the best thing to use is olive oil for both Shabbos and Yom Tif lights. Shabbos and Yom Tif lights should be done with olive oil. And we learned that out, says the Panech Raza, from here. The Moadim, those holidays, and Shabbos are put right next to the menorah, meaning the menorah they had in the base of Victor, you should use olive oil. Now, I don't know too many people that use olive oil. I do know people that use olive oil for Shabbos lights. I personally used to use olive oil. We used those paraffin lights and then they started popping. So I don't know if anybody's had that problem before. We stopped using the paraffin lights. We tried getting olive oil, the regular olive oil for there. It got all over the place. Messed up the entire area we put the menorah on and we decided, okay, we got to go with something different and for safety reasons, we ended up going with something different instead. But says the Panach Raza, there's a smach for those who use olive oil on Shabbos. Right? This is the smach for it. It comes from this idea of the Moadim being put next to the menorah in the Torah itself. The Moshe of Zikanim, though, says it a little bit differently. The connection to holidays is about lighting candles. He says the following. He says, we learn from here that lighting candles, not necessarily olive oil, on Shabbos and Yom Tif is a mitzvah. 
And he says, that's why Ashkenazim make a bracha on their lighting, both by Shabbos and by Yom Tif. Meaning, we make a bracha on Shabbos, a bracha to Hashem, Al Mitzvahs, Lahadlik Ner Shal Shabbos. Right? We make that bracha. And it's so too on Yom Tif, Lahadlik Ner Shal Yom Tif. We have that bracha. But there are those that argue. They say Shabbos is a mitzvah. Because you need a Ner on Shabbos for Shalom Bayis. In order to have Shalom Bayis, you need to have Neros in the house to be able to lit up to see the food, not trip over things. Okay, that's a machlokis. But either way, for Shalom Bayis. But on Yom Tif, you're allowed to have lights before and you can light things on Yom Tif itself. There's no issue of Shalom Bayis. Because even though you can't put on a light that wasn't off, you know, you wouldn't be able to light something that wasn't on before Shabbos. Nonetheless, you can add on lights. So the real mitzvah is by Shabbos, not by Yom Tif. There's no real mitzvah by Yom Tif. So the other Rishonim seem to say that you should make a bracha on the Shabbos candles that you light every week, but not on the Yom Tif candles. There are even those, like Rabbeinu Meshulam, who says even on Shabbos, you don't need to make a bracha on lighting candles, because you have other lights. You could have an Evan Tova, he says. An Evan Tova like they had by Noach's, you know, Noach's Teva, in which it lit up, somehow it was iridescent, it had some type of luminescence that went through it that allowed for it to be lit up. So you don't even need candles. If there was some way to get light that not through the candles, you don't need the candles. And that would for sure apply for us. Nowadays, we have electric lights. We don't need candles. Who in the world eats their Shabbos meals by the Shabbos candles? Kerites. Maybe Sadducees. Who in the world is only using those candles? You have all the other lights out there. You have everything out there. Maybe, maybe, maybe you'll have Hasidim or great people in Bnei Brak and Yerushalayim who don't hold, they don't have their own generator and they don't hold of the electricity that the Israeli government uses. But otherwise, who in the world is using their own Shabbos candles for Shabbos? You have everything else. Because you could use something else, the Evan Tova or nowadays electricity. You don't have the mitzvah of lighting candles in Shabbos. You don't have a mitzvah of lighting candles in Shabbos. You don't make a bracha. Says the Rabbeinu Meshulam, that's the psak. Here, Moshe Rabbeinu tells them, this light is as schus for you. Therefore, you should do it. And the Moshe Zakeni men's off. But we do it on Shabbos. And we do it on Yom Tif. We make a bracha on both Shabbos and Yom Tif. It is considered a mitzvah in some way, shape, or form. Although there are other Rishonim that says the other way. But it's amazing. That is an amazing, amazing shot. That there's an actual machlokis on what you do if you do light those candles before. The Orachayim HaKadosh. Oh, the Orachayim HaKadosh. I just spent 40 minutes in Shir today telling over one of the stories of the Orachayim HaKadosh. The Orachayim HaKadosh is unbelievable. He says, what's this doing here? The Lechem upon him, the Shulchan doesn't belong here. Nothing. Everything is from, from before. What We're putting it all the way in Emor. Emor, we're talking about the Lechem and the Lechem upon him in the Menorah. What is the point of putting it over here? Rashi says his answer. The Ramban says his answer to the Orachayim HaKadosh. He said, could there be something else behind this? He says, I think so. Let's think for a second. Everything in this Parsha is based on the number seven. I'm not going to go into the Kohanim, but even there, the number seven has a prominent role in the seven people that a Kohen could be Matame for and a Kohen Gadol cannot be. But the number seven is all over. Obviously, Shabbos is on the seventh day. Pesach is seven days long. The Omer is counted seven times seven days. Roshana and Yom Kippur are in the seventh month. Sukkot itself is seven days, although there's also Shemini Atzeres. The Menorah has seven branches. The Shulchan has six levels, and the seventh is the Shulchan itself. 
Says the Orachayim HaKadosh. That number seven is used over and over and over again because the Torah HaKadosh wanted to put all the sevens together in one area to tell you the Yisod and the Ikr behind all of them is exactly the same. They're all based on seven. What is seven? We talked about this before. Six is Gashmi. Six is this world. Seven is Kedusha being infused into this world. And eight is Lamalaminateva to tell you that even these things that are in this world can be so Kadosh. You can make awesomeness out of nothing, out of the physicality around the Chumriyas around you. That's what Shabbos and Yom Tiv and all those things are about. The Tzrora Mor, he says the same, but does not add everything together. He says, Sukkis is a zecher to the seven Anane Akavod. They had six around them, top, bottom, all four sides, and then the seventh that walked in front of them, the seventh Anane Akavod that was in front of them. The menorah is also a remez to those seven clouds. The six branches stuck out on the side. They had lights leaning toward the middle branch, which stood for the actors of Akadosh Baruch Hu. It was like the six clouds leaning toward the seventh cloud, leading them wherever they were supposed to go. We daven and we learn L'shem Shemayim, it's as if we're leaning toward a Kaddish Baruch Hu in the middle, and that's what the menorah stands for. That's why he says the menorah was made out of one big piece of gold. They took the big piece of gold, and of course Moshe Rabbeinu couldn't make it. He threw it in the fire, and it came out as the menorah. But it was all made from one massive thing of gold, since it represents a Kaddish Baruch Hu was absolutely one. There are a lot of other connections here, which I'm sure could be figured out, you know, within without my input. But that's the concept of the sevens that's over and over and over again. And that's the connection between the whole Parsha. Really, the whole Parsha deals with sevens. The Anani HaKavod came in the Tzchus of who? Tzchus of Aaron HaKohen, who was also Me'achid, Klau Yisrael, together in his, in his peacemaking abilities. He, Aaron HaKohen, was the one who brought about the seven. Therefore, the Kohanim, this being the Parsha of the Kohanim, leading into these sevens makes a ton of sense. And maybe that's why the menorah was given for Aaron to light as well. Not even his sons, but to Aaron, since they stand for the same idea. The Orachayim HaKadosh says another reason. You know why it's put over here? Hashem doesn't need the light of the menorah. The, 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 light, the light inside the Mishkan barely did anything. You had nothing in the Kodesh Gashim, yet it was lit up. HaKadosh Baruch Hu lit up the Mishkan. It didn't penetrate the Parochas, which would mean the Kodesh Gashim should have been dark as night. But it wasn't dark as night. There was awesomeness inside the Kodesh Gashim. HaKadosh Baruch Hu brought his own light inside, so to speak, with the fires that went before them at night in lieu of the clouds and the Shekhinah itself that was with them. Perhaps the light of the menorah represented the light of Hashem and Sukkis represents the Anani Akavod that also showed that Hashem was with them. And therefore, Sukkis is right next to the menorah for this reason, to show how a Kaddish Baruch was with them at all times. Lechem upon him? Lechem upon him is obvious, right? The Lechem upon him showed that a Kaddish Baruch was always fresh with Klai He always wanted Klai He was always with Klai Perhaps that's the idea that he's mashkiach over us, taking care of us, making sure we have everything we need. That's the Pshat, says Or Chaim HaKadosh. Oy, Rav Victor Miller. Rav Victor Miller is unreal. The way to get more oil out of the olives would be to crush it like we mentioned before. But for the Mishkan, they pounded them lightly so that the oil would be free of any dregs. It would give better light because of it. The olive tree, he says, is Rav Victor Miller is Klau Yisrael. The olive tree is Klau Yisrael. It's Gemara, Menachos, Mem Gimel Amabez, Nun Gimel Amabez, I'm sorry. That just like an olive only produces oil when you pound on it, so too we only become great after Yisurim. That's Rabbi Yochanan's line. Says Rabbi Victor Miller, just like we're supposed to be a light to the other nations, how do we become a light? Through our acceptance of Yisurin and understanding what a Baruch Hu wants from us, believing that a Baruch Hu has our best interests in mind, Hashem allows the olives to supply all the illumination for the Mishkan itself. At the same time, we're pounded 
pounded, not crushed, because the Kaddish Baruch Hu doesn't want us to be destroyed. He pounds us down. He knocks us down, but he's not completely ground up. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is still with us. Hashem never wants to destroy us. He wants us to be pounded, to get our Yisurin, and grow from that, and become even greater from that, according to the measure that we can accept no more than that. And unfortunately, there's another lesson as well. When the olives are pounded, there's still some dregs at the very end. When that happens, there are dregs, they end up leaving us. We can't use them. We use the regular oil, but the dregs we put to the side. Those people that go in the wrong direction, says Rav Victor Miller in his classic Rav Miller fashion, those are the people that we no longer have in Klal Yisrael. The ones who marry out. The ones who are no longer in our camp. Those are the people that are gone. That's a very scary thought. But those are the dregs that of the, even the, the pounded olive oil, still you're missing out on something. There are other hints as well. There's a Rabbeinu Ephraim over here. It's next to Sukkot because Simchas Beis Shoeva, they use the lights, etc. But the Machzer Vitri, Machzer Vitri was written by Rashi, right? Put together based on Rashi. I don't know if he wrote it. In Reish Lamedalid, Rashi says, this is a hint to Hanukkah. Because after all the Moadim, all the holidays, we go through Pasach and Shavuos and Sukkot and Roshana and Yom Kippur, right? We go through all of them. Then it says, and you should light a menorah. The menorah is obviously a hint to the next Chag the Chag of Hanukkah, written after all the Moadim already given, seemingly to tell you that there's going to be a holiday based on the menorah. It's brought in Megillus Tainus as well. Megillus Tainus is a brysa. It was written in the times of the earlier, before the Gemara. The Megillus Tainus is written. There's a brysa in Shabbos Chafal from Beis. It's clear. Hanukkah is hinted to in the Torah by this Pasuk being placed right after the Moadim. The Balaturim and the Rabbeinu Ephraim, listen to this, the Balaturim and the Rabbeinu Ephraim says, it's placed right by Sukkot, because just like Sukkot is eight days, including Shemini Atzeres, Hanukkah is eight days. Just like Sukkot, you have Hallel every single day, unlike Pesach, so too Hanukkah, you have Hallel all day, every day. This is an Arach and Yudim and Aleph. Right, that's the pshat. We're learning Hallel from Sukkot, eight days from Sukkot, eight days of Hallel from Sukkot. That's the pshat. Why does Sukkot have Hallel every single day? Because there's different korbanos to bring every day. Every day is a new thing. Every day is a brand new thing. On the first day, you bring thirteen cows. On the next day, you bring twelve cows. On the next day, you bring eleven cows, and it keeps going down. So to Hanukkah is a different mitzvah every single day. In fact, the machlokis beishamai beishilo we hold like beishilo. Day one of Hanukkah, you light one candle. Day two, you light two candles. Day three, you light three candles. That's Beis Hillel. Beis Shammai says, day one, you light eight candles. Day two, you light seven candles. Day three, you light six candles. And it goes down. Beis Shammai learns it from the Pare Hachag, the cows that were brought on Sukkot. Just like the cows go down 13, 12, 11, 10. On Hanukkah, we go down 8, 7, 6, 5, 4. We go down, says Beis Shammai. Where do we learn it from? From the connection. Sukkot is right by Hanukkah in the Torah. Because it's put right next to it. We learn it from Sukkot. That's brilliant. That's where Beis Shammai got the pshat from. It seems that he learned it from this smuchin. The fact that we're next to each other in the Pasuk. The Rokeach, the great Rishon, says the gematria of Vayikhu Eilecha Shemen. Vayikhu Eilecha Shemen is 581. Elu, Shmona, Yemei, Hanukkah. No Vav and Shmona. Elu, Shmona, Yemei, Hanukkah is 581. The Moshe of says not only did Beis Shammai learn his idea from this Parsha, Beis Hillel did as well. What comes after the menorah? The Lechem Aponim. The Lechem Aponim was a concept of Malin Bekodesh, the Ein Moridin. That they went up in Kodesh. They never did something downward. I guess, I'm not positive what he means. 
I'm assuming what he means is, is that they always made sure that the fresher bread was brought in. They never brought something lesser than, right, to bring it in. I'm not positive that's what he means by it, but that's the Malin Bekodesh. So too, he learned, Basil learned from the Lechem upon him, Malin Bekodesh, which is, again, one on the first day, two on the second day, three on the third day. So again, Beishamai learns from the Parsha before the menorah. That's how he learns that you're Morid and Bekodesh, that you go eight, seven, six, five. Basil learns it from the Parsha afterward by the Lechem upon him. That's how he understands it. Not only that, Purim is also hinted to here, says the Moshe Zikanim. The Mekalel, which happens after the Lechem upon him, the guy who cursed, the son of the Ish Mitzri and the Ish and the Ishi Yisraelis, Shlomis Bas Divri's son, the Mekalel, he reminds us of Haman, who also cursed out Hashem. Kol ze einenu shoveli, said Haman. Kol ze einenu shoveli, all this is not worth it to me. The last letters of ze einenu shoveli. Lee is hey vav hey yud because he cursed out a Baruch Hu's name. He cursed out Hakadosh Baruch Hu and everything he stood for. He knocked down a Baruch Hu. That's what Haman did. So the end of the parsha is a reference. The Mekalo is a reference to Haman. So not only do we have Hanukkah in this week's parsha, we have Haman in this week's parsha. And just like the Mekalo was stoned, he was taken out and stoned and then hanged. Because that's the halacha by a makalo, a megadif. Somebody's megadif makalo. You take him out, you hang him, and then you, you stone him, and then you hang him. So too over here, what they did by the, what's it called, by Haman. They hanged him. I don't know if they stoned him, but they hanged him. They took him down like over there. And he says the craziest thing, but I don't know if I understand it. He says, if you look after 70 psukim, then you'll find 50 that refers to Haman. I don't know what he means by that, but there's 124 psukim in the Torah. It happens to be that the 71st Pusik is talking about the Omer, which is obviously about the 50th day for Shavuos. But I don't know what he means by that, but he says 70 and then 50, and he says that that's a reference to the 50 Amma pole that Haman was hanged on. I have no idea what that means. That's something that's, that, that, that somebody else is going to have to figure out. But finally, I'm going to end with this Atro Zadar. I guarantee, no, I shouldn't say I guarantee you. I have never heard of this before. This is absolutely amazing. The Atra Zadar is the Sefer that was written on the Balaturim. He brings from the Sefer of Maccabim in Bez, Yud, Pasukim, Vav, and Zion that after Yehuda HaMakabi regained the base of Mikdash, he made a celebration for eight days similar to Sukkot. Now that's not such a pella because we know Hanukkah is eight days, so that makes sense, right, for the miracles that happened on that day. Fine, okay, so that's not that big of a deal. Yehuda HaMakabi made, making an eight-day celebration of Hanukkah after they regained the base of Mikdash, okay, that makes sense. But here's the crazy part. In the Sefer HaMakabim, it says they waved branches in the air. They took lulavim. And they wave them in the air for victory. Wave them in the air. Seder Adoros says they did it for eight days with Lulavim because they had not been able to celebrate Sukkis that year because the Syrian Greeks had taken over the base of Mikdash. They hadn't been able to keep Sukkis. So on Hanukkah, they celebrated Sukkis. So listen to this. The eight days of Hanukkah is not necessarily because it's put next to Sukkot, it's because Sukkot was celebrated on Hanukkah that year, and they brought in the Lulavim. I have no idea where they got the Esrogim from, but they brought in the Lulavim for that reason. This seems to be brought in the Psikto Rabasi in Parsha Bays as well. They were not able to celebrate Sukkot that year until Hanukkah time. So therefore, and that's hinted to Tehillim, by the end of Hallel, listen to this. Isru Chag Ba'avosim Ad Karnos Mizbeach. Isru Chag Ba'avosim. Chag is referring to Sukkot. Chag is always Chag Sukkot. Isru Chag. They tied up Chag. They tied up Sukkot Ba'avosim with ropes. They couldn't keep Sukkot. So Ad Karnos Mizbeach. All the way to the Karnos Mizbeach. They couldn't do anything. 
El Hashem Bayo'er Lanu. Bayo'er Lanu, he lit it up for us with the Hanukkah Minora. Bayo'er is Rashi Tevis, Vav and Lamed. Bayo'er Lo, Lanu, I'm sorry, is Vav Lamed for Lamed Vav for the 36 candles they lit on Hanukkah. He said that's hinted to in Tehillim, that they kept Sukkot on Hanukkah because Isu Lanu Chad Bavosim. Isu Chad Bavosim Akronosim is back. That's the shot that happened over there. What an unbelievable idea. So what we did over here is we explained, first of all, why this Pasuk has to be repeated from Parshat Tzav. We already mentioned it. Why do we have to mention it again? We gave a bunch of answers for that. We then went into the Nitziv, the Reb Moshe, the Reb Shwab, Doresh David, the Orachim HaKadosh, the Moshe of Zekanim, the Orachim HaKadosh again to get all these Pshatim to understand what happened over here. We mentioned Rabbi Victor Miller, what it means for us to, us to be pounded but not crushed and then finally the remez as to how we connect Sukkot to Hanukkah how we connect the last in the modern to Hanukkah and where we come from alright everybody we'll stop with that have a great Shabbat